Hi guys and welcome to my podcast about the legalization of marijuana. My name's Melissa Barr. I'm a communications student at the Metropolitan State University of Denver. I would like to start off by talking about medical marijuana and why we haven't made it FDA approved medically and why some doctors choose to prescribe it instead of some opiates and I also have an interview with uh, with a pharmacist named Chris McKinney who would like to talk about the good things about THC and some of the things going on with opiate use in the United States. It's no secret that the United States has a problem with opiate drug abuse. These are opiates produced by doctors that are given as a prescription that end up getting abused by someone or someone sells it and they get abused by a different person. In 2015 alone, there was over 35,000 opiate overdose deaths, and this is from drugabuse.gov. There actually isn't any recorded deaths by marijuana overdose on drugabuse.gov, and I couldn't find any record of it. But these are some of the statistics that they give you. So 1,260 milligrams of THC per kilogram of weight of a person of pure 100% THC will kill someone. And so that is one kilogram per 2.2 pounds of a person. An average joint is 20 milligrams of THC and that's not really pure THC either. And that would be 238 to 1,113 joints a day to cause someone just to do a non-fatal overdose of marijuana. And that's not even a fatal overdose of marijuana. Now I would like to turn it over to Chris so he could tell us a little bit more about the pharmacy industry and how that has to do with some of the opiate overdoses and what is exactly going on with that. And here's Chris. Hello, my name is Chris and I'm a retail pharmacist. During my undergraduate, I studied biochemistry and went on to get my doctorate in pharmaceutical studies. Today, I'll be discussing Schedule II controlled substances, how they are processed in the pharmacy, and the basics of their biochemical mechanisms on the human body. I will also be discussing cannabis in a pharmaceutical setting, some applications of cannabinoids, and similarities of drug chemistry for pain management. Opioid prescribing in the United States is reaching an all-time high in recent years, fueling what can be described as an epidemic of overdose deaths. Nearly half of all U.S. opioid overdose deaths involve a prescription opioid. My job as a pharmacist is to mitigate the chances of overuse, addiction, and overprescribing and ensure that patients are receiving their pills in a way that keeps them as safe as possible. When a Schedule II prescription is brought to the pharmacy, the first step is to verify its validity, make sure the dosing is safe, and the signature and DEA number are valid. The prescription is then scrutinized using data from PDMP. PDMP, or Prescription Drug Monitoring Program, it is a program that collects, monitors, and analyzes prescribing and dispensing data submitted by pharmacies. This system helps us avoid drug interactions, but also helps to identify drug-seeking behaviors or what is described as doctor shopping. 
where a patient has found multiple prescribers for class 2 medications. If prescription passes this checkpoint, it can then be dispensed. Schedule 2 prescriptions such as methadone, oxycodone, or hydrocodone are triple counted by pharmacy staff and verified once more by the pharmacist before release. This system prevents the release of potentially abused controlled substances. Let's turn to the use of cannabis in pain management. Currently, there are few pharmaceutical applications of marijuana or cannabis. Although there are over 60 cannabinoids in cannabis, only two have been studied for medicinal use. Delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol, or THC, and cannabidiol. The former is the psychoactive cannabinoid that is found in the drug dronabinol, which is an FDA-approved drug using and treating chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting, and anorexia from cancer or AIDS. This drug is currently the only marijuana-based prescription on a typical market, but some controversial studies have begun in the recent years over use of medical marijuana for pain management. All current studies have pointed to alleviation of neuropathic pain with marijuana use over placebo, but currently the FDA has yet to approve medical marijuana for medical use. So what are the major differences in pain management between opioids and medical marijuana? Opioids are prescribed in such great volume due to their effectiveness at managing pain. Chronic pain is considered one of the great challenges facing the developing world, and opioids are currently the best tool in a physician's arsenal to approach the issue. It is important to note that pain is a subjective biochemical process, and that it involves several mechanisms to elicit a response in the brain. Pain is a complex interaction of signals coming from the periphery combined with cognitive factors such as awareness to injury and chemical factors such as hormone production. Opioids are so effective because they reduce pain on multiple levels. They can block the signaling of, the pa of pain from the periphery to the brain as opioid receptors have a dampening effect on pain signaling when activated. Opioids also increase dopamine signaling in the brain's reward centers, thereby increasing the mood of the individual and reducing subjective pain. The combination of reducing pain signaling coupled with increased dopamine production can greatly reduce the pain felt by a patient. Like opioids, the endogenous cannabinoid system has been studied as a means of pain reduction. Through the inhalation of THC and subsequent release into the bloodstream, cannabinoid receptors are activated in the brain, which reduce pain through a modulation process quite similar to opioid receptor interactions. Pain signaling is decreased or muted from cannabinoid receptor activation. These receptors also work in conjunction with signaling of the inhibitory neurotransmitter GABA which reduces pain signaling from the periphery to the brain. Similarly to opioids, cannabinoids can increase dopamine signaling in the reward centers of the brain. Cannabinoid receptor activity in these regions can improve the overall emotional state of the patient and therefore reduce subjective pain. While their use can be seen similar, there is still a vast amount of research needed to compare effectiveness of opioid use to cannabinoid use. As the push for legalization on a federal level continues, I expect more cannabinoid research to be conducted 
and synthetically produced THC products to arrive on the shelves of pharmacies in the coming years. Hopefully, with the addition of further products to address chronic pain, overdose deaths can be mitigated through a combination of prescribing opioid and cannabinoid products, as well as diligent work from pharmacists and physicians alike. As Chris said, a lot of opioids are on the list of Schedule II drugs. And so as defined by the United States Controlled Substances Act, this is what it is to be on that list. So the drug or other substance has a high potential for abuse. The drug or substance has currently accepted medical use and treatment in the United States or currently accepted medical use with severe restrictions. And abuse of the drug or substance may lead to severe psychological or physical dependence. So marijuana is on the list of Schedule I drugs and as the same defined by the United States Controlled Substances Act, the drug or other substances has a high potential for abuse. So just like Schedule II drugs, there is a lack of accepted safety for use of the drug or other substances under medical supervision. And the drug or other substance has no currently accepted medical use in the United States. So really, the only difference between Schedule 1 drugs and Schedule 2 drugs, according to the the United States, is that they haven't found a treatment for it to be used medically, or there's a lack of research on it. Other things on the Schedule 1 drug list are methamphetamine, cocaine, LSD, heroin, black tar heroin, all things that have done serious damage to people and have been proven to do serious damage to people, everything except marijuana, but the only reason it's still on the list is because some have found medical reasons for it, but the FDA and the United States still haven't proven that or approved it ever since the Nixon administration, everyone just kind of has said marijuana is bad and no one should use it. Currently, some doctors that will prescribe marijuana, medical marijuana, to some of their patients, some of the uses for it that they have prescribed it for are diseases that affect the immune system, including HIV, AIDS, multiple sclerosis, which causes gradual loss of muscle control, so the marijuana really helps to calm the body and not freak out a little bit. And other uses are for inflammation, pain, seizures, substance use disorders, and mental disorders. Marijuana has been used really for medical reasons to calm people down, to just relax a little bit and not have a high dose of chemical inside your body because that might make you react a little bit more. The one good thing to show about medical marijuana is that it is being legalized in a lot of states so people are getting that alternative from the Percocets, the Oxycodone, they're getting the alternative that they want so they're not forced to take these pills to make their pain go away. They're trying something else to try not Get addicted and they're trying not to put a chemical in their body because some people really don't like that. Um, from the recreational side though, there's a few things to show. 
When it comes to the legalization of marijuana recreationally, it's a little bit more difficult to prove why it should be legalized in a way. So a lot of people compare it to alcohol, which makes a lot of sense because that's what some people drink to not be so sober recreationally. Um, a couple things about alcohol. Alcohol is the most popular drug that people use according to drugabuse.gov. Marijuana is actually the third most popular drug and in between that is tobacco. Alcohol and tobacco which are both legalized federally and each state can make their own laws about how they want that to go about. Just to do a little comparison of alcohol and marijuana and using it and the defects of using it recreationally. So when high off of marijuana, it increases accident odds by 83%. So while you're driving, you are 83% more likely to get into an accident or cause an accident while driving the car. So on the other side, while driving, after you've been drinking alcohol, it increases accident odds by 2,200%. So you are way more likely to get into an accident when you get in the car after drinking alcohol than marijuana. And now I'm not saying that anyone should drive if they're not sober, but though that's just a big difference for something that is a Schedule 1 drug that is completely illegal and you can get a felony in most states with it to alcohol, which is legal to use when you're 21. Marijuana, just like anything else put in your body, will have an effect on you. Just like any of the drugs that you can put into your system, you'll have a different effect. Um, effects of marijuana use are temporary paranoia, temporary hallucinations, and breathing problems. So if you smoke anything, you're really going to have breathing problems. You're putting smoke into your lungs and your lungs don't like it. That's how we feel about cigarettes. That's how we feel about smoking anything. It causes asthma. It really hurts people. So that's not really a new thing just because of marijuana. Temporary paranoia can really hurt someone if they smoke too much or get too high. It can really bother someone, but it usually goes away pretty fast and there's things that can be done so you don't go too far and get super paranoid and resulting in maybe harming yourself. But just like everything, you're going to have to take things in doses. Don't take five pills a day. Don't drink 10 shots in an hour. And don't smoke too much marijuana so you know you're not going to harm yourself. Practice control. Practice self-sustaining yourself from going too far or over the edge. When it comes to the social movement of legalizing marijuana, the movement is to legalize it federally, and by legalizing it federally, letting any of the states do whatever they want with it and let them make the decision for their state and not have any federal rules on top of that.
One of the best movements I found is the normal movement, which is spelled N-O-R-M-L. And normal's mission statement is, normal's mission is to move public opinion sufficiently to legalize the responsible use of marijuana by adults and to serve as an advocate for consumers to ensure they have access to high quality marijuana that is safe, convenient, and affordable. The really cool thing about Normal is that they are here to help you. There's a chapter in almost every single state for it. Uh, there's volunteer work in every single state. They're in the media. I think the most interesting thing is they have a button on their website where you can find a lawyer. A lawyer that will help you with, you know, if you're going to jail because you maybe had one ounce of marijuana on you, you know, maybe you were illegally selling it. They'll help you find a lawyer to help you out. Or maybe you were in the wrong, you know, but they give you legal help so you can get past that. They give you legal help and they help you start. They give you the start of where to go from your legal issues. The nice thing about Normal is their website is really easy to use. So their taskbar at the top has a button to take action. So it'll tell you about how to reach out to congressmen, how to reach out to legislature, and maybe just like people in your community who you can reach out to to talk about and to help you get involved if you want to be involved. And then it also has a button about marijuana. So if you want to learn more about it, if you want to just make yourself in the know, even if you're in Colorado where it's already legalized, you know, you can learn about Texas where it's criminalized and you can't have even a miniature amount of it without going to jail. And it also has a state info button that you can learn about your state. And, you know, if you're thinking about moving, you can learn about other states and learn about what some people in those states are doing to get their state to legalize marijuana and what's going on in those states. Then after state info, there's a legal issues button. So it'll tell you what the Trump administration is saying about marijuana, what legal issues you have if you want to have it and you're in one of the states that's not really legal for you. Then there's a library button. And the library button keeps all of the articles that Normal has found about marijuana negative to, negatively or positively. You know, it, you can find more and more information. Then there's news releases button. So that keeps it up to date. What's going on today? What's going on right now? And then there's a blog, you know, so people can write about how medical marijuana has helped their lives, how it's helped them stop having seizure. It can talk about how recreational marijuana has helped some people in just using it to calm down and maybe someone talking about how it's helped their anxiety even though a doctor didn't specifically prescribe that to them and they used it instead of um, Adderall, you know? And then there's a button about normal. So if you want to learn more about 
the movement more about what's going on, what they're doing, what they have done, how they have become who they are. It's a great thing to learn about if you want to get involved with the movement of legalizing marijuana. And then there's a support button. So if you want to donate money, if you want to support the cause, you know, if you want to be a part of it, if you want to do any part of support, they have somewhere for you to go so you can help them because they're not saying that no one can be involved. They're asking everyone to be involved. They're asking you if you don't like it, like, why don't you like it? They're asking if you do like it, give us some of your positive feedback. Help us help you and help us open up the government to seeing that marijuana isn't as bad as some of the things that are already legal in our country. It will be hard to change people's view on marijuana medically and recreationally, so it's going to be a fight. It'll be a few years before we can get the federal government to get on the same page because it'll take a few more years for people to do research because the research that people are doing on marijuana and THC are still new. But I'm very positive that in the next few years, we're going to see a lot of states legalizing it and a lot of people opening up about it. I would compare it to the prohibition of alcohol. People are hearing about it more, so they're trying to learn about it more. And hopefully it will have a positive outcome in the end.